Hello and welcome to Voices to Dream. I'm Suzanne Mann and my hope for the show is that through sharing our stories and wisdom, we can help to help each other to fulfill our dreams and come together and help to make the world a more compassionate place to live in as well. I am thrilled today to have a special guest all the way from the other side of the world, which used to be near, not quite my home, but <laughs> near my home. We, today we have Sharon Morehouse and Sharon is coming to us from New Zealand. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you. Nice to be here, Susie. <laughs> Sharon, I met, it's funny because Sharon was just telling me that she's usually, she's actually quite shy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fi I find it hard to believe because I met Sharon a few months ago, I think it was. She is the cousin of a very good friend of mine over here in the Bahamas. And I feel like there's just certain people in the world that you have a special energy with and a special connection with straight away. And that's what I felt with Sharon. I just felt... Like Sharon was a safe space and had a beautiful vibrancy. You have a beautiful vibrancy about you, I think. <laughs> so Sharon, we are going to get into Sharon's story. But first, as always, I just always think that it's important, whether it's on a podcast or whether it's in your life, to check in with people and really ask them how they're really how they're really going and especially with something like this when it's something maybe new for you I just wanted to ask how you were checking in Sharon thank you checking in today well I'm going to be completely honest and say yeah, I feel nervous doing this but comfortable because you know I I value you I respect you but for me to be speaking publicly so to speak it's hard for me because I am shy um, and I don't like to be centre of attention, but I feel excited to be able to share maybe my story that may help one other person to realise that, you know, what I've been through and how I've come through it. So yes, checking in, I'm scared, but um, I'm good. I'm really good. And my deep breathing. <laughs> Now I'm going to check in with you, my friend. Oh, you. beautiful. Thank you. And no, I cannot hear any deep breathing from my end. <laughs> Thank you so much. I am I am always checking in well when I'm doing a podcast. Um, funnily enough, I didn't tell you this before, but I got our time change wrong. And I, I was an hour. I actually thought that was in an hour's time. So I ended up getting ready in like 20 minutes. So I'm quite proud of myself. <laughs> um, and I'm checking, I'm checking in. Okay. There is, I feel like there's a lot going on in the world at the moment. And um, sometimes I find that I can get a bit too, I can hear I, I don't think it's being naive. I think it's being self-compassionate that sometimes I have to, I have to turn the news off because I get a bit overwhelmed with it all. 
Um, mm. And I've been finding it a bit difficult to understand how our normal lives go on when other people's lives are so different and so dreadful at the moment. So, mm. but what I've come back to is that for me, I feel like the best thing that we can that I can do and that we can all do, and this is what I've discussed with my family as well, is again, just be, make the change, be the loving, compassionate people we can be in our, our bubble, our little bit of the world um, with, cause that's how it has to start. Cause then it can spread out further. Mm. So mm. that's sort of how I'm checking in. I know it's, <laughs> that sort of got a bit deep, but um, I just no, think that's that, true. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But um, I'm really excited about sharing your story. And I am, I am so incredibly proud of you, Sharon, for coming on with me today, because I am aware that this is a deeply personal story you're going to share with us. And um, that the incredible, empowered, vibrant woman we see in front of us right now has not always been like that. And it's taken you a lot of work to get to where you are. So I was just wondering if, yeah, we could just, I just wanted to open the floor to you and ask if you wouldn't mind sharing some of the Sharon Morehouse story with us. Well, it started at your place for that lovely lunch, really, our whole discussion. We started to talk about my story, didn't we? And we were playing songs that we liked. And I said, oh, what beauty in the struggle on. And it's a song by Brian Martin. And any woman that is struggling, it is a beautiful song and reminds you about, it's very deep, but beautiful song. So I've played that a lot through my time. But one of the things I'll start with by saying is it was a saying that um, I learned very early in my journey and I used to hold it dear to me. And funnily enough, it's by Bob Marley. Mm. And Bob Marley, of course, his house is like five doors down from Tanya's Beach. I call it Tanya's Beach. Um, and I just used to sit on the water and just gaze at his house because he was one of my first records. Anyone's old enough like me to remember records. Bob Marley was my icon. But his saying was, you don't know what strong is until being strong is the only choice you have. And that probably epitomizes me. I, I had no choice except to end myself or dig deep and forge forward. Um, so my story is I met my husband at school at 16 and we were together 40 years. We bore three beautiful sons who are all grown up now and leading their best lives. And... You know, we, we were just living our life, working hard, and um, he left me to find his happiness, which wasn't true. He left me for another woman that was my friend. It absolutely shattered me, shattered my sons, because brought my sons up to be very moralistic men with strong values. Um, and so it didn't just break me, broke me, sorry. It, it broke my boys too and made them question who he was. And they saw what it did to me, literally 
wrote me into a million pieces. Um, and so it's been it's been three and a half years now since the start of this. And I have had a lot of things happen to me. Um, well, first of all, COVID. So I met him at 16, married him at 21, went from living at home with my mum and dad to being married, having our children. So never, ever had I been on my own, living on my own. Anyway, he left at the beginning of COVID and COVID in New Zealand, you know, we were locked down literally. They were very, very strict here. And we had literally four to six weeks totally isolated. So that was a real, that was really confronting for me, very confronting. And, but hey, you know, what do you do? You just got to keep going. And I spent that time listening to a lot of um, self-help things. I listened a lot to Eckhart Tolle, um, to Gabby Bernstein, um, to Mel Robbins, all podcasts that are about positive, um, going through dark times and the power of your thoughts because you do get stuck in your thoughts. Your mm. pain is so powerful. And, and I was stuck on this negative vibe about, Am I not? Why am I not good enough? So I looked at who he left me for, and I'm no beauty, but I was just—I just couldn't get my head around how you would throw our beautiful family and our lifelong friendship um, for that. And so that took a lot of a lot of work. I, I did go to counselling. And it did work for a little while, but you have to actually work on yourself. Mm. You know, it was great to feel the positives that the psychologists and those people have for you, which is awesome. But at the end of the day, you have to really just sit with the pain, which I did. So then, you know, we get through the, well, we don't get through the COVID um, lockdowns because then I get breast cancer. And my breast cancer journey um if this is a chance to say to a woman, please, please, never delay your mammogram. Mine was just a routine mammogram um, that I nearly didn't go to because it was right on Christmas of 2021. And I was like two days before and I was working and I thought, I haven't got time for this, but I did. I went, thankfully. So early January, I was called back and, yep, I got the cancer stick oh, um, poked at me and... And so I, um, I had to go through surgery um, on my own because it was still locked down. And um, so no one could come with me. And um, that was pretty tough, actually, because your breasts are so um, personal to you, aren't, mm. aren't they? You know? Anyway, so that, I went through the surgery and found out that it had spread. So I had to go back for second surgery, you know, again on my own. I had to go home, you know, and be on my own with drains out of me and try and look after myself. It was really tough. But what's that saying? I just said you don't know how strong you are until strong is all you have. And so I did that. I then had to go through radiation treatment while working, you know, and I'd go to work and then race off to my radiation. I did that every day for three weeks. 
<clears throat> and then um, I decided to sell the house that I was living in because it's where he pretty much bought to dump me and go. And I thought I needed to switch this up, change the energy. So I had drains hanging out of me from my oh surgery. Oh, my goodness. I mean, Anyway, so I found this little apartment where I'm living now. It's like a bit of a retirement village. It's so gorgeous. It's filled with all these beautiful older people that invite me to drinks and come and fix things for me. And, <laughs> and, and so I did that, you know, and that was huge for me. And then so I moved into here and um, my little British bulldog, Queenie, who was um, my lifeline, I, I, I don't know how I would have got through without her. Anyway, she passed in April. So now I truly, really, really am on my own. And I've learned that was like the final blow for me. It was like, what is the universe trying to tell me? You know? So then I went and bought and sold a car because I had never done anything like that before. And I thought, what else? Okay, I'm going to do that. I needed to do, you know, I had a gas guzzling car that I didn't need anymore. So I did that. It was really empowering to able to do that not have to ask anyone you know it was my decision like that color or whatever and um and so that was that and then and then traveling you know I'd never traveled on my own you know on a holiday situation and I one of my youngest my youngest son lives in Melbourne so I used that as my test run before I came to the Bahamas where I met you just to get the feel of, you know, well, plus I really desperately wanted to see him, of course. But um, that was a real test for me. I thought, okay, right, the next thing is I'm going to do this big trip. And I did. And it, and it was really, really empowering. I was able to go to, I'd, I'd never been to a bar on my own. It was one of the things I wanted to tick off. Yeah. And I felt like people look at me and go, oh, yeah, Nigel, no friends, you know. But I did that. And I, and, and so traveling, I was able to look at families and couples and not think, poor me, I didn't, but I used to. And now I look at it and I think, I hope that's me one day, how lovely. Maybe I will get that chance to do that again. So pretty much the story. Oh my goodness. Well, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I have to tell you that at least twice then people call them goosebumps. I call them God bumps because I feel like <laughs> I, I I do. I feel like it's those moments where you're just, you're, you're hearing someone's truth and it's, it's just so beautiful. And that's my goodness. I didn't, I didn't even realize that you had been through all of that, Sharon. So it's, and I know this is not a, we didn't want to make this a, uh, how do I say it, putting down your ex sort of, you know, or just bagging someone out sort of thing. No. It's not about him. No. And that's it. It's not about him. But I guess I wanted to just, one thing I wanted to talk about though was I feel like there's a lot of people these days who are either in the situation where they're somewhere, they're, they're just staying. They're staying maybe because mm. they are scared to, mm. to leave. They're scared to be alone or, yeah. um, or they think it's normal to be treated a certain way. Yes. And I guess I just sort of wanted your take on that, having sort of been 
in a situation. Um, how do you feel about it looking back on it now? Well, I think, you know, I think I because I, I had a lot to process. Why would he do this? How could you do this? Um, but what I realised was how controlled I had been by him. And I'd lost myself. I became very, um, trying to do as much as I could to make him happy um, at the expense of myself. So I, I think, in a way, it's given me a gift mm. because I, I'm back to that Sharon Morehouse at 17 where I, 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 you know, one of the things that I learned in all my homework and journey and time on my own is one of the most powerful things that, like I couldn't look at myself, I felt ugly inside and out, absolutely ugly. And what I learned to do was look in the mirror, like really look in the mirror, look in your eyes. And, I'm, and I do that now and I talk to myself if I'm because I'm very clumsy, if I trip over, I go, oh, she's. And I laugh, or I can look at myself in the mirror and I go, I love you, Shay. I love you. You're doing so well. You know, I go, I high five myself, um, you know, if, if I achieve something. I know, I high five myself. <laughs> I love it. I do have a bit of a silly sense of humour, but I take the mickey out of myself and I, and I feel like I've come back to me that was lost trying to make this man who I could never make happy because it wasn't about me. You see, I spent years thinking it was me, but it wasn't me. And it's him. But along the way, I got broken. And, um, you know, it, it, okay, I'm going to share something very, very personal, but I, I want to share it because it is part of my story. About 20 years ago, I suffered from bulimia. Wow. And I would have been in my mid-30s. And um, it was about, well, bulimia is about self-dislike and, mm. you know, self-sabotage. And he disclosed to me that he was having an affair back then. I didn't know. Or maybe I did. So he, did, he told so, you more recently than back then. Two weeks before he left me, I wow. heard about other affairs he'd had. So, so with that information now, I look back and I think I was broken way back then. You know, mm. that that was that was I could never figure out why I went through that phase in my life. And now I know. For some reason, for some feeling I had, I knew something was up. And so I knew in myself I had this through my journey that I had a tendency to self-sabotage because I never felt good enough. Um, I don't like the. I don't like to be under the spotlight. Um, yeah. Well, that was deep. Sorry, but that no. kind of. Oh my goodness, Sharon! No, like I said, I am so incredibly grateful for you sharing because I think as well, like you say, that some people. I mean, sometimes maybe you don't. Maybe you knew. Maybe you knew at the time, but you just didn't know you knew. And that's how it came out. And I mean, how important yeah. is for that to, I just think it's so important for people to be making sure they haven't lost themselves, mm. you know, 
Um, it is so easy to lose yourself as a woman, a mother, a wife, a yeah. daughter. You know, you're very, we're all very good at we're at the bottom of the pile. Mm. And, you know, that's why the power of, of women to support each other and hear their stories and, you know, as you say, really listen, check mm. in, really mm. check in, you know. And- I think it's something something that you said earlier as well in regards to, for example, seeing a psychologist. I just thought that that was something that I I quite often think about as well. In that, it's I I think of mental. You know, often people I find don't think of mental health in the same way as they do physical health. You know, if you went to the gym, you wouldn't straight away go and pick up the heaviest weights. You know, you're not going to start using your the 20 kilo weights. Uh, but mm. often people might go to a psychologist, for example, and think that in one session mm. they're going to get fixed. And mm. it's like a, a psychologist is like a personal trainer. They can mm. help you through, but you have to do the work. You have to do the work. That's and, true. And it's yeah. not easy. And it's you're going to be, you may not be like a sweaty mess, although you may be. I remember I, I remember the first time I went to see a psychologist afterwards I I don't even know what happened to me I felt like I had some sort of release attack or something I remember I drove down to the nearest car park and just started bawling I was shaking and bawling mm. and I just it was like as if I just released some you know I'd, mm. I'd, I'd, I'd take cracked it open so it's not well. You're picking a scab, aren't you? That's well, it. You're, you're opening yourself up that's and you're it. picking a scab. That's, that's why, it. You know, but it's by. But you have to. If we're, I mean, that's not, it's not the nicest way. But if you think of it like you're picking the scab because there's some pus behind there or something. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And when you release it, it feels good. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And it's the only way it's truly going to get better. And then that's it's gonna, right. then it's easier because you you start to get the toolbox as well. So you let yourself vulnerable and it's actually one of the kindest things you can do to yourself is to let yourself be vulnerable and sit. That was one of the other things I've learned is that, you know, if I thought about him and her together, I'd feel sick in the stomach and and angry and, and, and how unfair life is. And I learned that you sit with that feeling and you, and you, and you, feel that pain and my, for me it was my tummy and my heart and then each time it gets less and less now I can think about them and think ah, thank you and that's really powerful for me because you know she she was my friend mm. you know and the lies and the things that I had to fight to uncover for the truth for me mm. so that I understood why he actually did what he did so, but that was being vulnerable. I had to be really vulnerable, you know. I had to go and ask people what they knew, what they saw. So I was opening myself up to a, you know, the person that didn't like to have the spotlight on. It was I was heading into the spotlight full on. Mm. So it was, you know, it was very embarrassing. So much shame involved in being being left for another woman. It's like, 
why wasn't I not good enough? And, you know, people look at you, well, this is me, perceiving people looking at me going, I wonder what she didn't do or did. You know, it's like, tell me, I'd love to know. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Isn't it? Isn't it crazy what we let our minds think? Yeah. This whole Mm -hmm. thing of even caring about what other people think of us is Mm. is sort of, you know, (laughs) I, I, you know, it's, but I know it's easy to say. I say to my kids, what other people think of you is none of your business, but Mm. we all do it. We all, I, we all feel that, Um, Mm. but it takes, yeah, Mm. yeah, it's, it, it takes courage and it takes bravery and how amazing are you? Mm. And I just keep looking at you and I'm like, seriously, this woman is not thinking she's beautiful. You are so gorgeous. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I think, you know, at the very beginning, you know, for any other people, men and women at the start of their journey, like I was, I knew I had to work because all of a sudden, you know, I was, I've worked all my life anyway, but I, it was, I was scared about how I was going to survive financially on my own. That's a big one. It was huge for me. Um, And so I had to work and I would drive to work at the early stages and I'd do this mantra the whole way to work with my deep breathing. And I used to say, I am love. I am grateful. I am strong. The universe has my back. And I would say that over and over driving to work. And it's about that power of switching your mind and then being able to put your face on, go to work, fall fall apart at home, you know, but putting on that. And, and, And the more you do that, the better you get at it and the better you change your your thinking, you know, and do you I think it's well see, I, I feel like some people because I I sort of giggle as well because my first when I first learned to meditate, my meditation mantra was I am love. So I was mm. saying the exact same stuff as you. Um some people I find say oh, but it, that's just like, you know, it's like faking it till you make it or uh, they, I don't know, they sort of try to put a bit of a negative spin on it or they're like, but I don't love myself. How can I say I am love? What do you think? What do you say to that? I I, I understand what they're saying and, and 100% that, but it's changing, it's changing that chemical in your brain. It's changing the neuro, okay, neurotransmitters or whatever the, you know, mm-hmm. people call it. You you actually you can do it. You can change it. I did. I I, I was so broken and in pain. I felt the same. You know, I'd walk the streets during COVID on my own, playing. Um, you know, Eckhart Tolle over and over again. Found his voice soothing. He was very positive. Um, it was very deep. And just and Gabby Bernstein. She's just a different you know, style, but she's got a beautiful story of being a, you know, an alcoholic um, and how she overcame it. Her story's amazing. And then there's Luke Mindpower from Sydney, young lad I came across. I don't know if you know of him. So he was a heroin addict. And um, he he's now does this podcast 
I, I don't listen to him so much now because he's really helped me and I, I tend to listen to more, you know, um, just other stuff, I guess. You just move on to different things. But, yeah. you know, I, I put a lot of value out of that. So, yeah, you do fake it till you make it because you have to. You have to get up in the morning. You have to live your best life and feel the pain in your own space. And it does get better. Does. And there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it, is there? I, I always just think, no. does it, it doesn't matter to anyone else if you change your thinking, but it helps you. Yeah. yeah. So why yeah. not do it? But yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, well, and again, I mean, you've been talking about this, what you what you were doing in the past, what you did at the beginning. And I loved that you, you said in your correspondence with me, I am loving me again. And I guess now that you're on this part of the journey, I just wanted to ask, what do you do to keep on track? Because every day is not a good day. <laughs> no. Um, no. What, what, how do you swing it back around these days or what, what are your tricks in the trade? Yeah, and, and I do have days where it is lonely. I, I am lonely. I'd love to think one day I have a lovely man to share my life with that I'm deserving of and he's deserving of. But maybe I won't. I don't know. I can't hang my head on that. So what I have to do is live my best life. And my life, love big. You know, I, I have beautiful sons. You know, they're my life. And I have a beautiful mum with me. She's 84. She just lives three minutes drive from me and I see her frequently. I, I'm so grateful for her. And I have my jobs. I'm grateful for my jobs and passionate about my work. Um, and I think it's just on the days that I'm bad or, or not bad but sad or, or doubting that I'm going to have anything more than what I have, um, I just remind myself about, you know, how big life is and you have to grab it. I could have said to Tanya, no, I can't come to the Bahamas. That, that's just too big for me. And thankfully she pushed it and I pushed myself to do it. And that gave little things like that give you the courage to try things, you know. And, and you know, my, my little dog, Queenie, um, I learnt also that with love brings pain. Whatever you love in life, because nothing in life stays the same. So you love big, you're going to feel pain with that. Would I rather have not had her love to feel the pain of losing her. Now I've gone goosey. No, I wouldn't, you know. So the same with, with my marriage. Would I have rather not had that pain at the end to have had the time that I did have in my beautiful sons? No, I wouldn't. So I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. It does. Well, it's, and it's I love that. Love big. Love big. Yeah, love <laughs> That's it's it's a type of gratitude as well, but I, that's I guess you know that's I I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's how I I like to I try to live my life as well. Why not? You know, there is. Mm -hmm. I see you as a person who does love her life big. You do. Yeah, you know, I know. You... but I hadn't I hadn't thought of it in that way. But I yeah I do. 
I do because every day I I think why not like it's a it's such an and it's such a life is so amazing all of these people that we know in life are so incredible and loving big does make you vulnerable Mm. but sometimes when you love big and people don't love you big back um I think you were meant to love them big and maybe you're helping and teaching them and they are not at that place that you're at yet in their soul growth, if you like to call it that. So I never stop um, loving big. You know, I hug friends that don't like to be hugged because I'm a hugger. And I've got this one particular girlfriend who goes, oh, <laughs> and I keep hugging her and keep kissing her. And, and now she really hugs me back and we giggle about it because, you know, that's that's just love big. Yeah. I don't know who needs it. Yeah. Those people that react like that probably need it more than those that really hug you back. Don't that's know. it. That's it. That's it. And, and as you say, when you, I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm a crazy woman because I know I love big, but I can also be an absolute crying mess. And I all I figure as much as people see me smile, <laughs> my close friends know that I am crying half the time as well, because you know it's just part of it. You can't you you feel a lot with it. One of the mm. things, and and you're talking about hugs there, and I I recently have a friend that I was talking to, and she's she's single she divorced actually at COVID time as well and Mm. she was talking about how you know how they have the the um I don't know there's some statistic from somewhere that you should have like eight hugs a day and (laughs) I did think it was funny because I went gosh I'm surrounded by people and I don't have eight hugs a day but she's similar I mean she lives with one of her sons I think but um I guess it's that whole thing of how do you get through life being okay with not having that person beside you? How do you just, and not like not feeling like you're having that romantic relationship. I mean, it's so, and, and for someone like you, who, as you said, I mean, you didn't even have any time without, by yourself before I mean how how on a day-to-day basis do you get through that well I mean for 55 years of of, I'm 59 now so 55 years I had all of that I mean my three boys it was a busy life um it's very hard without having Queenie because she my bulldog because she was my you know we 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 had that touch Pat, love, hug. Um, well, I, you know, I, I visit my mum a lot and, you know, she too, as elderly people, they miss out terribly mm. on that touch. You know, she's in this village with probably, I don't know, there might be 75 others. I often look at them all and think, I wonder when you were last hug. I mean, I can't go up and hug them all because I think I was a weirdo, but, you know, I do, if I'm talking to someone like that, you know, I just put my hand on them or, um, you know, my friends, I always, we always hug and touch. Um, and I am going to get another dog because yeah. that's that's where I'm living on my own. 
uh, it's been since April that I lost her. Um, and I realised that, yes, with a dog comes a lot of extra stuff, but that's me. And so that's what I do to um, to fill in that space, you know, um, until hopefully a lovely man comes along or not. And if they don't, I just, I've come to peace with it. And I think my life is big and beautiful and full of love and I get my love in other ways. You know, I, I work for two cancer specialists. Um, so our patients either um, die or, or go through terrible treatment or they get well. So I see them from the start of their journey to often the end. So I get a I can I can give a lot of my love to them, you know, mm. and and be that passionate, caring person that is there. Um, safe space to know that I'm doing everything in my power to make the journey um, that the doctor tells me to do happen for them. And so quite often I've had people say to me, Sharon, this is the last time I'm going to see you. You know, my, I'm done and my treatment's done and, you know, I'm not going to get better, but thank you. You know, you've you've made my journey wow. that much um, easier. And and so, you know, it's I've just gone all goosey. I know. Um, so that's very rewarding because you, you can give your love and feel love in so many ways. It doesn't just have to be with a man, a partner. True. And and I realizing now that I relied so heavily on my ex-husband for a part of me that I didn't need. I, I was so busy trying to make him happy. I forgot about what I had to give and and how important I was as me. And so, as I say, it's a gift he's gone mm. in that way because I'm finding back to me, you know, yeah. that girl before we and even for you, got lost. Even for your sons, I, I imagine that you're teaching, you've, you've taught them a big lesson as well with this yes. process. Yes, I, I, I believe so. It's hurt them deeply. And they've had to watch me go through such a terrible journey um, that I think it's made them better men too. I mean, I've brought my boys up there. They're all incredibly masculine men. They're very touchy-feely men, you know. Um, my texting has always been to them, even when they're at school. Hi, darling. Hi, sweetie. Hi, hon. Love you. And when they're at school, they go, oh, mum, can you just... Oh, You're so mom. embarrassing. No. No, that's how I am, you know, and the boys have, were always very demonstrative, even as little boys, and now they're very demonstrative, emotive men in their 30s, and I'm just so proud of them, mm. so proud of them. With a strong mum. Yeah, well, they've watched me go through my cancer on, pretty much on my own, and, you know, and, and what their dad did to me, and and they are, they're very proud, which is which is all sad, yeah. but awesome. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Being a bang of life, isn't it, Susie? That, it is. <laughs> now, <laughs> you actually, well, you mentioned this at the beginning that you wanted to call this, that we, we wanted to call this episode Beauty in the Struggle. You... Uh, you sort of, I mean, you obviously explained that to us, but 
are you seeing your, you're seeing yourself as beautiful now, I hope. Oh, that's a good question. Um, yes, beautiful in my soul and my, my, um, what I have, my love. Um, yeah, I don't look in the mirror and think, gosh, she's beautiful looking. I just look in my eyes and I go, you have a beautiful soul, Shaz. Keep going. Keep growing that. Love big. Yeah. I, I don't, like, like I, um, one of the things my ex-husband would say to me two years before he left and leading up to two years, he would look in the mirror and he would say to me, oh, my God, Shaz, I'm just looking so old and you're not ageing. And I used to think, that's ridiculous. Of course I am. And so I like I don't look at myself and I look at and, and critique my looks, so to speak. I just think I'm 59. I look 59. Proud to be 59. Don't forget my job is where I see people die. Yeah. And I was blessed with cancer. So I I I just look at my soul as being beautiful and my love being beautiful. And however I look on the outside. Well, you know, if, if you if, if you were judged on that, then I guess you're not my people. That's yeah. how I see it. I don't look at someone and go, oh, gosh, you look old. Or, gosh, you know, you've wrinkles. I, I, I look at old people and I think, wow, I bet you've got a story to tell, you know. Yes. And, and there's so many of those at my mum's village, you know, they're all wrinkly and pushing their cards. But I love sitting and talking to them because they've got a life well lived and they've got stories and they were us once yeah you know yeah tend to look at old people and go oh you know but actually they're they're not they're they're Mm. amazing I don't look at them and think oh god you're 95 and you look at not at all yeah I think wow that's a body well lived mum and I had our feet up on the coffee table the other day and my feet were beside her feet and she said, look at your feet, darling, and look at mine. I said, Mom, your feet have walked 84 years on this earth. Of course they're going to look like that. Honor those feet. Oh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful way to think about things. I love that. But now are you done with the struggle? <laughs> look. If I'm totally and utterly honest with you, which I have been, it's always going to be a struggle for me. I'm always one of my dearest girlfriends that's helped me well through my journey has said to me, Sharon, you'll always feel pain from what's happened to you, but you'll learn to sit with it. And that's where I'm at. I I will always feel um, hurt um, from being betrayed like I was. But I, it's not going to define the rest of my life. It's like drinking poison and hoping the other person's going to die. I mean, that's such a good analogy because that's right. It's like I'm not going to let this define, define how I have the rest of my life. So, yes, I am done with the struggle inside my sick body, making my body stick mm. through this. Yes, I'm through that. But I also accept that it's always going to be a little bit hurtful, but it'll just sit in there and I know how to deal with it. 
and roll with it when it pops up, which it does, and then move forward. And, I mean, you've answered this by just the way you're speaking, I think. But just to highlight it for people then, when I first asked you about this, uh, when I first asked you and at the beginning of this podcast, you said, I could have either ended my life or moved on. Do you think you made the right decision? 100%. Because that wouldn't have hurt wouldn't have hurt me, but it would have absolutely poured fire onto my boys already busted lives. So 100% that. But I do understand how people get that low Mm. and how sometimes it's hard to see the light. But as I've said before, I think if you just learn to sit with that pain, it passes and you know, remember, it's not going to hurt you. It's going to hurt those you leave behind. And that's what kept me positive, Mm. not to think that. You are so incredible. (laughs) And I have to, I have to say that there is, so it was quite a few, it was maybe, it was, it wasn't when I first met Sharon that I, heard her story either but we when Sharon was over here we had so much fun on many days and there is nothing about Sharon that makes me think like quiet wallflower there is a I I thought oh I have to ask Sharon whether she's okay with me posting it but there is a photo that I have of Sharon in a a dress store getting handcuffed by a sergeant <laughs> in the Bahamian police force. <laughs> Listen. Um, <laughs> and 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 we yeah. we we did we picked out the loudest, silliest dresses we could find and tried them on. And we were loving big, weren't we? Living big and loving big. And we were laughing at ourselves. And I think that's really important yeah. to keep your humor. Learn to laugh at yourself, trip over in the street, I laugh at myself, drop something, you know, make a mistake at work, you know, whatever. You just just laugh. Humor. And we did so much of that, didn't we? We did. We did. And now Sharon, what's what's next on the cards for you? Um, next on the cards for me is um just to to just think about my next journey, like as in travel. Sorry, that's just my phone going off. Is it buzzing on you? Um, I think just keep growing my soul, growing big in that. Keep learning about myself. Being scared. You know, I, I've been scared so many times in the last three and a half years through the things that I've had to conquer. But through being scared and actually doing it, when I got back from my trip from seeing you and Tanya, I was so on a high because I'd actually done something that I was truly scared of. Mm. You know, spending a night in Houston, you know, on my own, and and which seems silly, but actually it was huge for me. We're little girls from down under in Aotearoa, New Zealand, you know, thrown in Houston, humble in Houston, and you know, um, and I did some. I, I'll just end by being, telling my funny story. So I'm driving. 
I had one night to spend in Houston before I travelled on to Nassau. And um, I stayed in this little place or big place called Humble. And this lovely taxi driver, um, I said to him, look, there's nothing to eat at my hotel. Do you think I could just pop over that road and, and get something to eat? And he went, no, ma'am. Do you see anyone else walking around here? I went, no. And he said, no, don't do that. So I thought, mm, that's not going to work. Okay. So when I checked in, it was it was like a one-star hotel. Thanked my girlfriend who booked it for me. Like, please don't book anyone else. And I said to this little man at the counter, I said, do you? I thought, okay, at least there'll be a minibar. I said, is there a minibar in the hotel? And he went, oh, no, 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 no. And I went, oh, this isn't going to work. So I thought, all right. So I put my jandals on, my flip-flops, and I left my room and I crossed this eight-lane highway, <laughs> pushed the button, and because people aren't used to stopping because no one walked. So I crossed this eight-lane highway, got myself a drink and some a burger, and then crossed the eight-lane highway back, and people were beeping at me like, what is this woman doing? <laughs> had the green light but they're not used to stopping because no one's out walking. And so, you know, I was scared doing that. I thought, no, come on, you can do this. You're a little girl from New Zealand. You can you can do this. You've come a long it. way, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Every, they're baby steps. How, how amazing is that? It's a, a, a story about walking and it's about the steps that you take on that journey. That's, yes, that's right. And getting back to the power of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. get lost a lot of our lives. That's it. Oh, Sharon, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you coming on and telling your story. Now, normally, I, I didn't ask you this beforehand, so just let me know. But if people want to connect with you, can would would you be open to that? Like them connecting with you on Instagram or Facebook or? Of course, of course. Okay, yeah. and well, and you because you've got an Instagram page, don't you? Yeah, Sharon and her boys. Sharon and her boys, I love but. it. Okay, well, I will put that. I will put that on the on the bottom of this. And um, if you're doing, if you're just listening on the audio, Sharon and her boys on Instagram. And Sharon, I, I'm sure would love to hear from you and love to, I think as well, again, it's that communication of being open and telling our stories and being happy to talk about things. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful for you sharing your truth with us. And Thank I you. love, I'm Thank so blessed you. that I met you, Sharon. Thank you for being with us. Okay, this is Voices to Dream. I will see you next time.